John's deep dive into John 17. Last week I hit John 17. If you want to turn your Bibles, it's going to be up here. John 17, 20 through 23. Your whole Bible's a gift. But I'm going to emphasize, as you do in sermons, and act like it's the biggest deal in the Bible, I'm going to emphasize John 17. That you not only have the teachings of Jesus, but you got the prayer life, the script of Jesus. When he prayed, I got a bunch of people in here I think that love to pray. And I'm telling you, the greatest, most anointed, the one that created prayer is praying, and I get his script in John 17. It's an amazing thing. It's about him. He prays for himself. Look at how he prays for himself, and you'll learn how to pray for yourself. He prays for his team, the 12. That's awesome. And then when he gets to verse 20 through 23, particularly, he's praying for us. This has gripped our hearts. And so I want to just prime your heart a little bit. I think this, the Lord's Prayer, is actually John 17. That's, that's the Lord's Prayer. It's the our Lord praying there. The traditional Lord's Prayer, which we're going to keep using that language because we're propagating this all across the state, and that's what everybody knows, but it might more accurately be called the Disciples' Prayer or the King's Commission Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, Luke 11, that's really a prayer that Jesus told them to pray. And it's awesome, and we love it, and he's our king. But the Lord's Prayer is really in John 17 where he prayed. So, like last week, I want to focus on the specific parts of this prayer that are in us. And when we read this, you need to know. I'm, I'm doing it for multiple reasons. The body of Christ has got to get aligned with this. There's crazy emphasis being put on John 14, 15, 16, and especially 17 right now in multiple streams in the body of Christ. You're going to see Francis Chan's book hit. Does everybody know what the title of it is? Unity. IHOP. Unity, talking this right here. Why we didn't? I've been burning about this for a long time. A bunch of I was sitting in the, our leaders meeting, and Tim was like, "I was just talking about this with with my son and th two other guys, Jonathan in El Dorado. We weren't community guys. I just preached on John 17. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is putting an emphasis on this right now. So I'm telling you that so you can discern if you think that's correct and get yourself in agreement with it. I'm telling you so you'll know what's happening to your life. Jesus will get the answer to his prayers. He's the greatest prayer ever. You've got momentum happening around you that's actually coming from the direction of this prayer. I don't know if that makes sense. It's working around you because Jesus prayed for all of us, and I'll show you that. And I also want to get you calibrated with his priorities in these last days. John 17, 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those, these 12, but those who will believe in me through their word, that they, 21, all may be, this is of all the things he could pray for us, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I'm in you, we have glorious Trinitarian unity, oneness, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. 22, watch this phrase. I've been working this one all week. The glory that you've given me, I've given them, so that they may be one even as we're one. What is that? What's his glory? This is Jesus praying to the Father. This is amazing. 23, I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you've sent me, number one, and the world may also know that you've loved them even as you've loved me. So there you go, four verses. Four verses with glorious implications. And let me just say them clearly. And then I want Tim to do the addendum to this, and then we're going to speak in this. Um, verse 20, 
Jesus prays for every believer in church history. If you want to know something for sure that he prayed for our generation, for our church, it's this, that we'd be one. He didn't pray, Lord, raise up a worship revolution where they use some cooler music and some cooler lo-. He didn't pray. That wasn't, we're not reaching closer to revival when we culturally grab a style. Last week, if you haven't heard it, five minutes and 44 seconds, I talked about dividing kingdom and culture. I'm pleading with leaders. I'm hoping we can get that because our culture is not what we're propagating. I like worshiping the way Ryan and Bree and what we just did. That was fun. That's what I like. There's a whole bunch of people in the body of Christ that don't want to do that. Is it my mission to get them to do that? No. I don't. That's what. That's the problem with the prayer movement bottlenecked into one music style. Does everybody understand that? God wants the whole family. And some of them like to chant and do liturgy. They like organs. I'm like, seriously? Organs? My parents-in-law, I'm like, seriously? Just piano and the hymn from 50 years ago and do it? And verse 4 and 3, you know, it's amazing. They want it. But their hearts, I promise you, swell. I'm with this Lutheran guy at Common Grounds. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit touching his heart in liturgy, in the Eucharist. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You have more revelation about communion than I do. And it's about Jesus. It really was great. Now, I'm not saying everybody's doing anything great. Please don't. But I'm just saying this, is that he's praying for all of us. And the apex of the glory is not getting everybody to do what we do. It's getting everybody together. It's everybody unified, whatever that means, in him. And again, it's going to take a miracle, but he prays for all of us. Verse 20, verse 21, his prayer is for us to be one as he and the Father are one, which is what in the world does that look like? The Father and the, make us one as the Father, that are dwelling in them, that us together, unified, dwelling in God, the Father and the Son, would lead to an unbelieving world believing in Jesus as the sent one from God. Does everybody know that's what that verse 21 is about? I don't know if we can go back to verse 21, but verse 21 was that they all, Jesus is saying that they all may be one. Fathers, you and me are one. And then them and us. And it's so that. The so that is so vital. Everybody's trying to figure out, how do we do world evangelism? I'm telling you, a big part of it is breaking down the division between people in the body of Christ. When you and I are one, it unleashes glory. It really does. I, I've always known, because I've talked to the world, that one of their primary resistances to the gospel is how we all walk together. We fight like any other. Somebody just said the other day, we're the, mo- we're the most divided monotheistic religion on the planet. Judaism is not divided like we are. <laughs> Islam is not. A, there are some various portions to it, but man, the body of Christ and the Reformation went like warp speed with division in the middle of this thing. And again, we love the expression, love the Reformation, but something is off when we're not relating together as believers in a city in a unified way. So Jesus, knowing it, Lord, make them one. Make them one as we're one. And you can look, what do you think Trinitarian looks like? So that, and this is the thing that's going to convince them, that the world would believe. How do we unleash faith in the cosmos, that's the word here, and it's really in a negative way, than the unbelieving, resisting world. How are they convinced about the Jesus being the one? It's actually unleashed through our love for one another and our unity. Verse 22, 
is powerful. The glory Jesus gives will be given to these future believers to lead to Trinitarian unity. Remember, the glory you've given me, I've given them that they may be one. So what's the glory? What's the glory? I believe it's the Holy Spirit. I believe one of the primary missions of the Holy Spirit. He is the glory of Jesus's ministry and the glory that was given us at Pentecost. And I believe that because of John 7, 37, a few chapters before it says, on the last day of the feast, the great day Jesus stood up and cried out in a loud voice. He said, let everybody who's thirsty come and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart's going to flow rivers of living water. Now, he said this about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the Spirit had not been given to him because Jesus had not yet been what? Glorified. What, what he received, he ascended and received the Spirit. Peter talks about in Acts 2 in a sermon. Received the ascended Christ, received the Spirit and poured him out on us. And so the Holy Spirit is the glory. The Holy Spirit's here and he gives us the glory so that we can be one. He's, he's manifesting now. So listen. We are not agreeing with the Holy Spirit in fullness. If all we're going for <laughs> is the growth of a few churches, a few signs and wonders, and some great Bible teaching, I'm telling you, this thing's headed somewhere else. I mean, it involves those things, but the, the Holy Spirit has been given so you and I would love God with all of our heart and love each other. That's a miracle. It takes a miracle for it to happen. And so he's given us the glory so that we can become one in the last one. Verse 23, Jesus indwelling, his indwelling us by the Spirit and the Father's indwelling in Jesus. It says, me and them and you and me will lead to what's called perfected unity in the church that does two dynamics. One's repeated from the other verse. The church, it convinces the world that Jesus was sent. He's the sent one. And it convinces the world that they're loved by the Father just as uh, Jesus was loved by the Father. And so, dynamic Holy Spirit, glory-driven unity around the supremacy of Christ unleashes an anointing by impact. That's, that's a better way to say it. An impact on the world that convinces them, oh, Jesus is the Messiah. Yahweh sent him. They, they get that information, and then they get... Gosh, God the Father loves us like he loves his son. And that's something they don't believe in right now. So, as Tim makes his way up here, I'm all in for unity. And it ain't because I want to have a kumbaya time at Cocorina. It's because my king revealed to me what's a high priority to him. And it's that we love each other. We want, we want Aaron Wallace sharing his building with Nathan Paulus, Radiant, doing a women's conference that's crazy inconvenient for us because we can't meet here next week. By the way, I was supposed to make that announcement because of the sake of unity, and I have no begrudging at all. Um, we're going to... We, we get to either meet in Mel Hamilton Ford or we get to go down to Crossroads, which we think 90% we're gonna, probably going to be there. Is it that way, Aaron? Yeah, it's somewhere off Mace. So we'll get you information. Listen up for that. But we, we won't be here because some other church is going to use this. What a great opportunity for us to be inconvenienced so that they can minister to women. I just think it's an awesome thing. And so as Tim comes up here, I want you to know I'm, I'm just all in for this because I want the world to know that Jesus has been sent. 
it ain't going to work the way we're doing it right now. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And so Tim's actually going to share about why we're doing equipping ministry, I think, that ties into this. I never know. So, so I kind of want to uh, locate us in time uh, first, just in the spirit of what Sam just shared uh, with, with um, the prerogative of the Holy Spirit, what she's doing around the globe. So we will be unified. I mean, it's not, it's not maybe. Um, so just get with the program. So, um, so um, in Ephesians 4, I want to speak to kind of how we get there because uh, there are a lot of leaders in the room that lead churches and ministries and all that. And, um, you know, the old saying, you don't you aim for nothing, you hit it every time. Um, sometimes I feel like we've been doing that in the last number of decades and generations. We're, we're like, we're not sure what we're aiming for in the body of Christ. In discipleship, you know, we're aiming for um, uh, a disciple, you know, uh, understanding his, her identity in Jesus, who, who he or she is in, in, in the kingdom, what gifts they have, and how they outworking that, how they relate to other members of the body of Christ and so forth. Um, the the overarching uh, thing that uh, disciples need to know and that equipping ministries need to know, and uh, let's, let's just briefly go through the equipping ministries again. This is kind of, you know, basic, but uh, Ephesians 4.10 says that Jesus, um, uh, let's start with verse 11, uh, that Jesus gave some to be in the body of Christ, some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. You know the verse. Um, the the punchline is what follows, uh, which is verse 13 of Ephesians 4. Um, so Jesus gave equipping ministries for a reason, uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, one is that uh, until we all reach unity in the faith. Um, the other is is that so that so that the body of Christ would behold Jesus and that Jesus would be supreme and first love. And we sang that. And, and the last is that, is that we would be mature. Mature, mature people uh, behave uh, toward one another and act toward one another much differently than immature people. And so what could, what could happen is what has happened in the last year, it's been on uh, full display, um, is verse 14 that we would be that we were we've been acting like infants and uh, tossed back and forth by waves and and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and the craftiness of people and so we've just come through a very immature season uh, where where it's the light has been shining on us to where we're acting like babies is basically what Paul is saying so um, we are in an interesting time right now where the you've probably noticed the love of most is growing cold. Jesus predicted that. Um, but conversely, uh, the body of Christ is actually, um, by the competence of the Holy Spirit, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, through uh, equipping ministries, uh, the, its leadership, the Holy Spirit's leadership, is becoming more bright and... and um, uh, like more like Jesus, and so as equippers uh, in the body of Christ, we need to know what we're aiming at, and we're aiming for unity so that 
um, if you're an apostolic leader, you're a prophetic person, uh, you're an evangelist, you're a pastor or teacher, um, anything that is sowing discord among the brothers, um, we, have to, we have to address that quickly. And we've been complainers and critical and, and divisive uh, for too long. And, and we, need to, we need to get, a, get control of our tongues, especially as, equipping, as equippers in the body of Christ, and start sowing unity in Jesus. Yes, unity in the prayer and unity, unity in the purpose. Because the fulfillment of the Great Commission, Jesus basically told us when he's coming back, didn't he? He told us in Matthew 24, 14, that when the, when the gospel is preached to every ethnos, then the end will come. And he actually told us what we're aiming for in the church and what the equipping ministries are given for, which is to bring the body of Christ into unity, into complete devotion to the, to the Son of God, and to maturity, into full maturity. So that's what we're aiming for. We must understand and, and be very clear-eyed what we're aiming for in the body. So let me wrap up. This business of uh, div divisiveness um, basically is one of those things in the book of Proverbs that, uh, that the writer of chapter 6 says that God hates. There, there are very many places in the, in the Old or New Testament where or we know here that God hates it. God hates divorce. God, we, there's a few. There's a few places, but one of those places where God kind of unveils His heart is the things that He just absolutely cannot stand is in Proverbs six. And He said there's seven things that He hates. I'm not going to go through all seven, but the last one of those things that He hates is is one who sows discord among the brothers. This this is a big deal. We must repent of this, and so. Um, think maybe we should, can we, so in summary, um, we are aiming for, as equippers, unity. This, this is the prerogative. Jesus prayed for it, so he's going to get it. We need to get with the game plan. We get the game plan. So. repentance yeah just having some brother time so um in your in your heart in your realm of influence um just think about your yourself and your realm of influence right now um to what degree um is is unity in Christ. Not, we're not talking ecumenism. There's a difference. But to what degree is unity really a top priority? And and I and I and I. It's a rhetorical question, but but um, we we all probably know the answer to this. To what degree is this a top priority? Because this is this is like top shelf stuff to Jesus. You hear it in the Lord's Prayer in John 17. And you, you have a prescription for it, for the Lord's coming back when we reach unity in faith. So, so let's, let's 
examine ourselves uh, for a moment and, and let's ask the Holy Spirit who is completely competent and loving and there's so much grace for this right now, but we must repent. We must turn and speak differently about our brothers, especially traditions that, that you find especially objectionable. And there are reasons that you find those traditions objectionable. I get that. But um, be aware that some of this just may be your opinion, your preference. And so we all must be born again, right? Across the board, Catholic to the, just to the, the, the most, you know. So we, we all must be born again. But other than that, unity in Christ, there's a lot of liberty. A lot of liberty. Let's give each other liberty. So let's pray and ask for God to maybe even give us a, a time period going forward from now uh, where there will be deep repentance, deep, deep affection even forming in, the, in our hearts for our brothers, especially from different traditions and, uh, and, and, and races for, the, for, that, for that matter. Before he prays really quick, I just want to say, that the, the division that's happening is often being energized by the enemy. Um, uh, Paul, uh, take the long to sit up in 2 Corinthians 2, he'll talk about forgiving the guy who they kicked out of the church in the first letter. He said, we're not unaware of the devil's schemes. I'm encouraging you to forgive this guy and whatever. So the de one of the primary devil's schemes is unforgiveness and offense. And so it's not just that we're having flesh and whatever, we're, we're, it's being energized. So I feel like what we're doing right now too is we're resisting the devil. Submitting to God and resisting the devil, and and that's what's being energized in you has probably got fifteen different flavors, but two of the primary are man they offend me by not being faithful to the Lord, or man they're not being as faithful to the Lord as I am, they're not as spiritual as I am. Whatever it be, it could be ugly, it could be really good, really good, and I think that thing has just divided us like crazy. And so as Tim prays, I just want us to deal with our hearts about we're not going to participate in dissension, but to resist the enemy who's tempting us. I think if somebody goes deep in Jesus, gets filled with the Spirit, it ought to make you more of a lover of the body of Christ, not more independent to do your thing. But that's just me. Yeah, and, and as we make disciples, though, we're, we're culpable in a sense yeah. for, for, for sowing, um, you know, this, this group is like this and this group is like that. So um, let's not be culpable any longer, you know. Let's, 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 let's really give disciples a panoramic view of the body of Christ. Uh, will you stand with me, please? Get lots of leg exercise, leg day in the body of Christ. We get up and we get down and we'll genuflect in a minute. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus uh, for uh, the body of Christ, Lord. And thank you for your words, Jesus, uh, recorded. Thank you. Thank you for John uh, recording your prayer. Lord, what a what an amazing thing to have your prayer, Jesus. And we say amen. Amen, Lord. Uh, amen. We will be one, Lord, in you. Lord, amen. We will be. Lord, we're, we're with you. We're with you on this. Um, in whatever way that uh, I have um, sown division, Lord, I pray that you would bring that to light. And I have done it. I know I have. And so, um, Lord, Remind me and uh, help me to um, confess that to a brother or two. Lord, uh, uh, confess my sins, Lord, uh, in this area. 
Um, Lord, let let uh, confession and repentance, Lord, we want to turn away from this, and we want to be people that so so the unity, uh, the spirit, and the bond of peace, Lord, uh, according to your word. So we know that's that's your prescription, Lord, for us being unified. So Jesus be exalted. Jesus be be our first love, and uh, Lord, uh, help us to take a step forward in maturity, Lord, uh, in this area, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.